0: fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever and with fishing booker you can experience it too no matter where you are discover your next adventure on fishing booker welcome to the casting across
1: fly fishing podcast i'm matthew of castingacross.com where we explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing Welcome to this episode. This is the final episode of 2021. It will be released on New Year's Eve. I do hope that you are having a great period of time between the holidays say great week the week between Christmas and New Year's it's just a a wonderful time of relaxation of continuing to enjoy family of potentially getting outdoors and so I hope that you've been able to do that if you've had to work if you've had uh, a lot on your plate I hope that uh, bare minimum that even just the holidays have been good opportunities for you to maybe get outside maybe get fishing Uh, but at least get a little bit of rest and relaxation before what is assuredly a long, cold winter. Now, I'm not big on New Year's resolutions for the reason that if there's something that needs to happen, then it should happen that day. So you say, well, I need to cut sugar out of my diet. I'll start doing that in two months on January first. If you know you need to cut sugar out of your diet, you should stop right then and there. Or, you know, even even to to be very liberal in it, say okay after this weekend, after this weekend out, then I will stop having sugar in my diet. But if, if there's something that you truly need to change, you should do it right now. You shouldn't wait until some arbitrary calendar flipping day. So I'm not a huge fan of resolutions as such, but I do appreciate the natural break that comes with the changing of the year, the December to January uh, interval, and it gives us a good opportunity, if not to make resolutions, to look back and say, hey, what happened in this last year? Everyone else is doing it, so I might as well do it as well. So what I want to talk about today on the podcast, probably a shorter podcast because it is a, a holiday podcast three things in 2021 that I learned or that I appreciated about fishing and being outdoors. Maybe these are things that you can relate to. If not, then they are something that maybe that you can think about and and just have in your mind as you listen to this, after you listen to this, things that you can look back on for your 2021. What did you do? What did you do well? What did you not do well? What didn't you do? Those are four great questions. So what did you do? what did you not do? What did you do? Well, what did you not do? Well, so what did you do? What What? how did you spend your time? How'd you spend your time in and around fly fishing? Did you fly fish too much? Which is a great question to ask yourself. If, did I fly fish to the detriment of my job, my family, my other obligations, things like that? Did I not? What did I not do? Did I not fly fish enough? Did I choose to sleep in instead of going out for a couple hours in the morning? Did I choose to watch television instead of going fishing? And there's nothing wrong with those things, but if you realize, you know what, I find myself doing that more than not, then that might be worth assessing. Then what did I do well? You know, I really did a good job learning how to make longer casts this year. Uh, I did a good job of slowing down and assessing the situation when I got to the stream. That was something I really had a good concerted effort on this season and and this year, and so I, I, I can say, you know, kudos to me. And what did you not do well? It could be the the polar opposite of that. I rushed in. I fished the way I fished the previous time. And, and there was a lot of, of missed opportunities because I didn't take the time to really read the water and assess things. Um, I I didn't try new waters. I just go back to the same place over and over again. Uh, I got frustrated easily. So those are, again, four questions. And uh, I didn't organize my podcast today in, into, into those categories. But those are things that... Whether it be fly fishing or something else, they're good Good to ask yourself. So anyway, three things for me this year that you might be able to appreciate. So the first thing is I actually don't think that I did a good job of reading the water this year. I got out and fished a lot, especially this, this uh, late summer and uh, springtime. I got out and fished a lot, but I found myself going back to tried and true patterns, tried and true techniques, spots, and and locations and types of locations that I had a lot of confidence in, and really just defaulting to that. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying these are the three or four flies and the three or four presentations that I am comfortable fishing, and having those in your repertoire and being ready to go to them But I found in some really kind of common places that I fished, some places that I have a lot of experience in, I just assumed that technique a b or c was going to work and i didn't stop and read the water i didn't stop and try to figure out what the fish were doing i just really tried to get the the fish the 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 fish peg to fit into my square hole and that didn't always work i had, in fact i had a couple of days where i just spent hours and hours trying the same old thing thinking what is wrong with these fish realizing much too late that it what was wrong with me what what am i not doing right so I can look back this year and say, there was too many times where I thought I knew better than nature, that I thought I knew better than what the fish wanted, the fish needed. And I did that to my detriment. So I guess what, what, what's the learning thing here? It's something that I preach, something that virtually everybody who is in fly fishing understands. It's you let the water dictate how you are going to fish. You don't dictate how the fish are going to eat. Now, do we have a lot of flexibility in the type of flies that we throw and the type of presentations we make? Absolutely. I mean, I think in in any given day, in any given stream, you are able to take fish on top, you're able to take fish with nymphs, and you're able to take fish with streamers. You might have to work particularly hard to do one of those things based on the seasonality, based upon uh, environmental factors, based upon what what the fish's natural cycle are, but you can Absolutely, catch fish any way you want to catch fish at any point in time, with a, with a few exceptions. That being said, the amount of energy and effort you have to put into making a fish feed on top, when there are very few insects on top, and there m- might be a particularly hot day, a particularly cold day, or something like that, is going to make that so it is a not very efficient way of catching fish. But if that's the way that you are really comfortable. Now you have yourself a predicament, and that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. So looking back in 2021, I realized that even though I was fishing some of my favorite streams, streams I'm very comfortable on, streams I usually have a lot of success on, I was fishing them three or four different ways, but those are three or four different ways that I wanted to fish. I wasn't stopping. I wasn't checking what was under the rocks. I wasn't really paying attention to what the fish were doing so much as I was saying, I just got to do better at the next hole. So I, I think that's kind of a give and take thing. I think that there is wisdom in, in doing that and not being too flighty and saying, all right, I'm going to try something brand new. I've never tried today on this uh, or tried before on this stream today because uh, I need the stream to speak to me. <laughs> I need to figure out exactly how these fish want to be fished for. So there's a balancing act between that approach and I know how to fish in this this stream. It's finding that balance. And I would say that if anything, this year I was a little bit too uh, um, far on the conservative side of the spectrum in saying I'm going to just revert to the three or four or five ways that I anticipate fishing being successful on this stream. So that's the first thing. And again, that can kind of fall in that what did I not do well category. But I'm glad that I'm aware of it, that I've been thinking about it. It's not been keeping me up at night, but I've been thinking about how I need to make some changes when I get out on the water more uh, as this winter turns into springtime. Second thing is something I I think I did well. And this isn't meant, hopefully this doesn't sound prideful or or arrogant or boastful or anything like that, but I feel like I'm a pretty decent fly caster, that I can get a fly either on a three weight or on a 10 weight, out to where I want it to be with relative accuracy and, and efficiency. That being said, there's always room for improvement. Even the best fly caster that you know is, is going to say that they have things that they can work on. And I am certainly far from the best fly caster I know, so there's a lot of things that I need to work on. But what that meant was that this year, i give a couple examples. One, one was uh, fishing in the surf you know, fishing in the surf is a great way to magnify your, uh, your, your low points of your casting. And the the reason is, is is there is legion. There's a lot of reasons why, uh, being out in the surf shows you where you are, are have some, some places that are, are weak. One of them is the fact that there's usually wind. There's very few days when you're out in the surf and there's not a little bit of a breeze. And so that, uh, that's something that, that shows you, okay, at the apex of my back cast, I am really slowing down and allowing that loop to hang there before I bring it forward. I might be able to, under ideal conditions, apply enough power to straighten that loop out and get it to move fast, but when there's wind, that loop is nice and wide and open and the wind is, knocks it down. Now all of a sudden you have a, a you know a one-ock clouser that is tangling up in, in your line as your fly and your loop are closing in on each other. Another thing is, you have uh, to to really haul. If you have any water that's that's touching your line, if your line is not in your stripping basket, you're really having to make sure that your line hand is 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 doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's not simply a passive participant in your cast, or, or it, it's not there simply to execute a double haul. It, it is actually doing a lot of, of line control and maintenance. So you're, you're really having to think of two things at once. What's my line hand doing? And then also, what is my rod hand doing? And then you have other things, just, you know, how is my fly landing? How is, is it landing with the splash in the surf? That's probably not a, a, a big deal. If anything, it might be beneficial. But is it is it kind of sailing? Is it, landing gently, uh, just paying attention to how is my fly landing. It's probably not a huge deal in this situation, but when I I go out and I'm making a long cast on a big river for selective trout that are rising to dry flies, then it is going to matter. So I can't get into bad habits while I'm out on the ocean because there is a one-to-one correlation between how I cast in the surf and how I cast on a big trout river. And so paying attention to those things and not just thinking about, I hope I catch a striper, I hope I catch a striper. I hope I catch a striper. Or I'll look at these sea ducks flying over or, you know, let's make sure that I don't get wet. That's a good thing to pay attention to. Or, you know, what's under, is, is that a, 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 a seashell? What's below me? You know, you pay attention to a lot of things at once. But as you think about casting, think about casting and thinking, paying attention to this is more than being pragmatic and getting my fly where it needs to be, what other things are happening. So I feel like I did a pretty good job with that this year. Uh, especially when I was fishing in the surf, uh, ca- casting from a, a, a kayak. That was another thing that I, I paid attention to this year. You really have to isolate what you're doing with your hand, wrist, elbow, shoulder, and and hips to a certain degree. But your your hips and, and then absol- absolutely below your hips, what you're doing with those body parts is mitigated significantly when you're in a kayak or when you're in a canoe because you're not able to rotate your torso in the same way that you can when you're standing up. We often feel very um, isolated and limited when we are waiting, when we are, you know, knee deep or waist deep in the water. But you actually have a whole lot of flexibility, uh, even even just within shifting your weight from one side to the other, uh, from one leg to the next leg, when you are waiting, when you are standing completely still. But when you are uh, sitting on a, a seat in a canoe or a kayak you really don't have that ability. You could can shift your weight from like one butt cheek to the other, and there's actually value in doing that uh, w- without rocking the canoe, but you have to focus a lot more on casting with your shoulder and making sure that you are, are making the, the right motions and able to do the right things with your elbow. And so those are things that I, I paid attention to this year because I, I thought to myself, okay, I can't stall out because I can do this good enough. I can't stall out in my casting education, my casting experience, my casting practice, because I can get my flies where I want to get them. There's always room to grow. And what am I missing out on? What am I missing out on I'm saying, well, I can cast X many feet, but my my accuracy might be waning once I get to that. It's not good enough to say, yeah, I can I can bust out an 80-foot cast, no problem. Well, can you bust out an 80-foot cast and have that fly gently lower itself into the water? And now hopefully we're not setting a whole lot of hooks on 80-foot casts, but I mean if you can can you do it? That's the question. That's the question I've been asking myself. So I feel like I've done that pretty well this year. So um what did I not do well? I did not actively seek to find what the, the fish were wanting to do. I was defaulting to my four or five or six things that are in my my toolbox and going to those. What did I do well? I paid attention to my casting, and in doing so, I feel like I became a better caster this year, both uh, in saltwater and in freshwater with heavy lines, with light lines, and it has led to to being a, a better caster at distance, a better caster uh, with accuracy, and a better caster under adverse circumstances and difficult conditions. Okay, thirdly, thirdly, what did I do? What did I do? I'm actually not going to mention something I didn't do this year because I felt like I did a lot. It's really hard for me to say I didn't do things this year. So what what did I do? I went duck hunting. And I talked about this quite a few times uh in the podcast and on the website over the last few months. So hopefully if if you're like, I'm only here for fly fishing content, uh, then this doesn't bother you too much. But chances are, if you listen to the casting across fly fishing podcast, if you read casting across, you're okay with more than just fly fishing content because there are websites and there are blogs and there are podcasts that do much more hardcore fly fishing content than I do. But that's that's great. That's for them. Um, I think I'm able to do that. I just choose not to do that. I want to create an integrative, holistic uh, approach to being outdoors in our experience. So anyway, duck hunting why is something like duck hunting or deer hunting or hiking or camping or kayaking or rock climbing or mountain biking or whatever it is, why is that something that I think is good for us as fly fishers? It diversifies our experience. If the river is high, you can go out there and bang away and try to catch a fish or you can get in your kayak and have a really, really fun time out on the water. Uh, if, you don't want to be particularly cold on a day when, when the, the weather is, is nasty, then you know what? You don't have to be in the water. Just bundle up and go for a hike along the riverbank and watch the fish. That's fine. That's, there's no rule saying that you can only enjoy trout when they are pulling on a fly at the end of a leader at the end of your fly rod. And for me, the last few months of duck hunting in New England has been a great way to say, all right, I'm going to be outdoors every week in a regular time and a regular basis for a few hours, get to work on time. All I got to do is take my you know, camo hat off and comb my hair and I'm, I'm ready to, to get on my day. And if you know much about duck hunting, there's birds that fly all day long. But by and large, your best opportunity at getting ducks where, where you know they're going to be, it's right at first light all the way up until like 8.30. So I'm able to be at work, maybe with a couple of ducks in the back of my car on ice uh, by 9, 9.15. So for me, that's been great because I've been able to get outside. I've been able to be on waters and kinds of waters that I fish in New England, but with a totally different lens. I wrote a different an article about this uh, a couple of weeks ago about how when you're fishing, you're usually looking down. That isn't to say that you don't see an eagle or a, a goose flying overhead, that you don't pay attention to what's happening up on the bank, but when when you are, are fishing, you're generally focused downwards. The the sights, the sounds, the sensations are what's happening below you. When you are hunting ducks, it's usually up what's happening above you. And so I was just amazed at the things that I paid attention to, the things that caught my attention when I was was hunting in some of the same spots where I have fished before, uh, and and for me, that's been great because it has really created a much broader picture of some of these environments and ecosystems. And I feel like I appreciate them more. There's been things I've seen about fish behavior in some of these ponds that I just didn't see when I was fishing because I was maybe just too focused on, on casting too focused on getting the right position. But when I'm looking up, I see things from a totally different perspective. I also am much more aware of what's going on out of the water. And all of those things work together. All of those things, you know, they, 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 they're in, involved with each other. There's the symbiotic nature of these ecosystems. So just paying attention, for example, to beavers and beaver runs. I have never thought about fishing on some of these marshy ponds in New England based on where these beaver runs are. These, these are deeper stretches of that are in effectively flooded, uh, plains flooded, um, that used to be older kind of timber fields, but now they, ha- they are two to three feet deeper than the surrounding areas. I'd never once thought about fishing these, uh, for, for ambush fish, like smallmouth bass or largemouth bass, or even things like pickerel. Now I've been, as I've been wading and kayaking these things, I'm seeing them in a, in a, in a new light. So this has created a greater awareness for fly fishing, but again, getting outside for something other than fly fishing shouldn't be simply to augment or or add to our enjoyment of fly fishing we should enjoy it for itself and for me when a lot of fishing slows down this time of year i am happy to not feel like i have to go and grind it out on these streams that are gonna really perform in a very subpar manner compared to the way that they perform the rest of the year and i'm able to get out i'm able to fish i'm able to fish see there you go i'm able to hunt i'm able to to practice new skills both with paddle sports as well with shooting and then everything else, you know, I, I can't remember the last time I brought a fish home and cut it up and cooked it. And I'm okay with that, but I absolutely have enjoyed doing that with birds and having my boys be involved with that, having some friends be involved with that. So whatever that is for you, I'm not saying you have to go and hunt ducks and I'm not saying you have to go and hunt deer or, or pheasant or turkey, but just getting outside is something that it's awesome. It is, again, you know, if fishing went away today, but I was still able to go hiking, would I be sad? I'd be sad, but I love being outdoors. I love being out in God's creation. I love being out with people. And that's actually something else that duck hunting has been great. I don't fish with people a lot because it, I don't know why that's something to explore in a later day, but I really have enjoyed sitting with buddies and and talking, talking, talk, talking all of a sudden duck, you know, quack, quack, quack. And then a, a flurry of, of a lot of action. So but it's about being outside being outside with people i think is is even better there's a a a solitude that you can have with with other people that is is really really good and it's unique when you can find it, it it's worth it's worth keeping so those are three things something that i didn't do great something i did better and something that i i i did that i added to my my repertoire looking back in 2021 so how about you what did you do well what did you do poorly? What did you do? And what didn't you do? Uh, think about that. You know, I, I'd be happy to hear just, I, I don't need to psychoanalyze or I don't need to grade you, but Hey, if you say, Hey, these are how I've done things or haven't done things, done things well, and did do things in 2021. I'd be happy to hear about it. Matthew at casting across. Uh, and if they're particularly profound, uh, maybe I'll share them in a couple of weeks when I do another accusations podcast, but all in all, I hope you had a great 2021. Hope that you had good time on the water. More importantly, that you had a good year. That you can look back and say, you know, this is a hard year uh, from coronavirus and from all the implications of that and all the difficulty that came with it. But at the same time, there's a lot of blessings that I've been able to enjoy. And I think for all of us, we can say that. We look back on the year. We might see a particular low point, we might see something very difficult, but if we just take a minute, we can probably see that there is a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, a lot of good things that we've been able to enjoy. If we look back at this week on castingacross.com, there was two articles. The first one was called, Don't Get Cold Feet, Get Fishing. Don't Get Cold Feet, Get Fishing. So it's no fun to have cold feet. In fact, I think that's one of the quickest ways to have a bad day or to get off the waters. Your feet are cold. Because you you need them and you feel them. Uh, We've been designed so that we feel our feet very well. They are an integral part of our walking. They're an integral part of our standing. And so when they're not comfortable, we're not comfortable. So I talk about two things that you don't need to spend a dime on to make your feet warm, which is always helpful. It's easy to say, buy this thing. Two things you don't need to spend a dime on. And then two other things that will cost you money, but one of them might be less than $15. The other one is going to be a little bit more money. Uh, but so two things you don't need to spend money on two things you do spend you might need to spend money on to make your feet warmer and to make you more comfortable when you are fishing either in cold water I mean this isn't just a living in New England thing this is a fishing in uh, in in tailwaters down south thing but ways that you can increase your your foot comfort which means increasing your overall comfort and Wednesday's article is a a uh, rusty Flybox article which those are the articles uh where i i take older content and i lump it together for your benefit and this one's called rusty fly box burning a hole what is burning a hole so if you get a gift card or you get cash for christmas there's a chance that you are the kind of person where it burns a hole in your pocket and you just can't you can't hang on to it you got to spend it so I try to help you out by sharing a couple of different articles with lists of things that you can purchase. One of them is a list of books, uh, which goes along with the podcast that I shared uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, But, you know, it's not all about gear. But gear is important, gear is integral, you need gear to be able to get out and fish. So I am sharing three articles, one is uh, again about books, another is my gift guide from last year, and I stand by everything that I suggested last year. And then thirdly is a gift guide for the new angler. So if you are new in fishing or somebody that you know is getting into fishing and they got like a $200 Cabela's gift card, I have a couple options for them uh, in this article. This week's recommendation on the podcast is a piece of gear. Uh, Duluth Trading Company, I have no formal affiliation with them, but I have a bunch of their stuff. I tell you what, I know it's past Christmas, but if you need uh, socks and underwear for somebody in your life, uh, Duluth Trading Company just creates fantastic stuff. It costs money, but it's worth that money. So I have a couple pairs of their seven-year performance uh, socks and they are great. They are great kind of for cooler weather, they're great for casual wear, for working, things like that. They make a pair of seven-year performance heavyweight merino boot socks. I do not have these, but this is on my list. So I'm recommending, that you give them a shot. Um, I recommending that I give them a shot. So they go higher, they go up, up over your calf. So whether you are hiking or whether you're wearing them as a waiting sock, uh, I anticipate only good things. Uh, I would say that if you wear them in particularly cold weather, that you were with a liner sock. And I don't have a, a liner sock that I know is made anymore. I've, I bought so many pairs from Cabela's years and years and years ago. So I'm going off of pairs that are no longer made anymore. But if you have a good boot sock with a good liner sock underneath it, usually that's as good as you can do when it comes to waiting but of course there's one caveat with that and you can read about that in that uh, don't get cold feet get uh, fishing article that i mentioned earlier but i'll put a link to dilute trading company their men's seven-year performance heavyweight merino boot sock on the show notes to this podcast page on castingcross.com. Again, uh, don't get a cent, don't get a sock from Duluth Trading Company. I just really love their stuff and my family uh, likes to get me those things for Christmas, Father's Day, birthday, and so I'm happy to talk about how happy they make me. Thanks for listening to the Casting Cross Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and then rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.